0: I'm Dr. Ethel Tungohan, an Associate Professor of Politics at York University. This is Academic Anties. A lot of great things have been happening to me. I've received awesome speaking invitations, I have two books coming out this year, and my fellow co-editors and I submitted a book manuscript to our editor. So I have a lot of things going on. (laughs) But you know what's messed up? While in theory, these accomplishments should make me happy, in practice I just feel numb. Like I know I should be pleased, but instead, I feel like I just need to look at the next big thing. Even my friends and my partner, and heck, my therapist, tell me that I need to slow down, that I should enjoy my success. I find that I can't, that I'm still stuck in this hamster wheel, thinking that if I slow down even for a second, I cease to be relevant. One night last week, when I was feeling particularly depressed, I saw an article on my feed entitled My Career as a Professor is Soaring, I've Never Been So Depressed or Anxious, and I felt seen. This piece, which was published at Slate and which we link to in the show notes, was written by Dr. Ayendi Bonifacio, an assistant professor of English at the University of Toledo. It was fantastic, I read this and I really felt like I wasn't alone. So I reached out to Ayendi, or Tio Ayendi as we'll call him in this episode, and asked if he could talk to us. And here he is. Tio Ayanyi, thank you so much for being here. Can I ask, what made you write this article?
1: Well, first, uh, thank you so much. Titi, Tia Ethel, I really, <laughs> um, I, I, your words, um, that, that's very kind of you to say. Uh, and and I'm happy that the piece has resonated with so many people. I've gotten, I've received uh, numerous text messages emails private uh, messages um uh which you know sort of confirmed what i what i thought which was that i'm not alone in 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 you know in dealing with my own depression and anxiety but to your question uh i didn't you know plan to write this piece In, in fact it was something that um uh a good a colleague of mine sort of um uh asked me to think a little bit more about uh i was uh I was having um, a very sort of paradoxical month. Uh, I was uh, hosting a, a renowned scholar at my institution. Um, I was publishing articles. I, I was a lot of things that I had been working on were coming out, and I and I finally got this book contract that I've been working on for a long time, which you know, in in academic circles, that's very very important, right? For sure, yeah. And so I found myself in this space where I, I couldn't. Um, celebrate right these uh milestones what i what i I would call a a milestone um in part because i was sort of dealing with some uh sort of health issues that i couldn't quite figure out um i kept sort of uh you know instead of instead of celebrating and 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 thinking about the hard work i've done i kept returning to um the work that needed to be done instead of just kind of sitting with it so i had a friend. Say you know this. This might be something that other people, you know, might be facing as well. And and I thought you know, so I, I tweeted this thing about it essentially. Um, and then it got a large response. And I thought, like I always do w- when it comes to writing, let's let's put this let, let, let's let's elaborate a little more on, mm-hmm. on what I'm feeling here. Um, and and truly, I wrote I wrote it in a day. I just kind of sat with it and and it just sort of. Um, came out to the way it did um, but yeah it was it was something that I, I wasn't really planning to write uh, it was it was more um, something that I, I had just been thinking about and then I was asked to maybe put it put it into words um, so yeah there's no uh, great creation story there it was just something that happened.
0: I really and truly, you know, appreciate kind of you telling us about how this article kind of went out into the world. And I, I kind of appreciate how it just kind of came to you. Right. It's not like you you plotted this. It's not like in our article or our right. books. It's not like we had like, you know, like a long time kind of plotting on on, you know, the the, the construct. Right. It seemed very vulnerable. It seemed very first person, very touching. Right. <laughs> um, Thank so. you. Can we speak a little bit more about some of the concepts you shared in the article? And one concept that's really resonated with me was this notion of toxic productivity. And, you know, one question I have is, you know, how does this look like in academic spaces? How did this look like in your life? And what made you realize that you've internalized this value of toxic productivity?
1: that's really interesting um you know you hear that buzzword all the time in academic circle toxic productivity stay away from it don't do that um and yet it's something that um it's it's advice that i often pass you know to others but i know i felt like it was something i wasn't really practicing which is you know to be careful about it um Mm -hmm. and now you know in, in thinking about more about that question I, I kind of was drawn to I, I drew myself back to my grad school days actually mm. like when i started grad school um i remember uh you know feeling this immense sense of gratitude for being like essentially the first of, of the first uh, you know dominican person i knew in grad school <laughs> you know yeah. pursuing yeah. a phd <laughs> in english and um Yes, <laughs> and and then you know, you, like a, a lot of us, we find ourselves being the one, the the only yes. one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we we're often told, I think, by other scholars, I, I think in, in in by scholars scholars of color mostly, and other marginalized scholars, I think in in and this is good. I think it's often good advice, and it's true advice, which is we're told that as people of color as marginalized people we we have to work twice or three times as hard as as our white counterpart and i i've really internalized that as as academic as a grad student i really try to work you know twice or three times as much because i felt like i had to and this this is not just something i gathered and learned from being a grad student but i think also from my own parents who uh you know are uh immigrants who came to the u.s you know, to work and, and instill yep. that that sort of work ethic in, in me. And and so so that turned into this need for me to constantly produce <laughs> yes. and, and be ahead of the game. Because I felt like I yep. needed to be ahead of, of other people. Um, and and at some point that becomes a habit of yours. It becomes something that you just do. And yep. without keeping in mind, like, how is this affecting my, my physical, psychological, you know, state of mind? Um, and, and how do I feel about this? Yep. Um, and then it becomes this thing where, and this is essentially where I'm at, where you produce and produce and produce, um, but you can't sort of like sit with it and acknowledge and celebrate the work that, that it's done. And it's all about what's next now. Um, and it could be sort of the, the, you know, the feeding to to yep. to exist in that cycle, um, yep. because then you ask yourself, well, is this it? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> is, is this all of it?
0: I completely relate to you. I mean, I think this is why the article spoke to me. I mean, I think you know as everything it starts with kind of being an uh, a a second well i don't know 1.5 second generation immigrant yeah, and knowing right, right. <laughs> knowing how hard my parents hustled right and to it's weird like this notion of gratitude i'm still kind of grappling with on the one hand mm-hmm. you know being in a grad student space grad school space and being the only <laughs> filipina phd student and feeling so grateful to access spaces that quite frankly My parents weren't able to access made me feel, okay, Ethel, now now you've made it. Now you've got to hustle. Now you've got to work. And now that I'm kind of a prof and in many ways, you know, I I have tenure, right? I still feel this imperative to keep producing and I feel like a top that keeps spinning. And so this is why everything you're saying, it's resonating. Like, you know, when do we rest? When do we stop? When do we take it in? Mm -hmm. Are we allowed to? Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Are we allowed to just stop and pause?
1: Yeah, what is what does that look like, right? What does that look like for us? Like you you know, you've uh, you know, I remember and again I go to my I, I like to, to return to those grad school days because I had this very pure sense of like again for better or worse, like sense of gratitude then where yep. or, or and celebration where I remember completing, you know, you know, candidacy and, and that, that felt like a moment, you know, and, and it felt, and celebrating is not just an act. I think mm-hmm. it's really, it's also a feeling. And I think mm-hmm. perhaps it's for me, more importantly, a feeling than, than some performance that you do. I think it's mm-hmm. to feel the sense of like, wow, I've done this. I've, I'm very proud of myself for doing this. I think that I've, I've lost touch with that. It's mm-hmm. now like, yeah, I, it's done. I did it. It's there. What's next? Um, and and I think that obviously there's something wrong with chasing this because it's it's really I I, I think you know it's, it's it's sort of like an addiction of sorts right like you know yes. you get something out you want to see yes. it out you want you want that immediate reward whatever that might be uh, and then it just leaves you know um, and that becomes it becomes so hard to depend on that I think this idea of producing and publishing. Um, because that's not sustainable, No, <laughs> especially with the gatekeeping that we have in academic circles, um, especially with just how difficult it is to produce. You know what I mean? Um, I think that, you know, when the goal, when you lose track of what, why we, we're doing this, um, I think it, 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 you know, you lose meaning and, and you lose that, that, that vital connection with the work mm-hmm. that, um, mm-hmm. that keeps that, that, that sh- maybe, you know, should keep us going if we if we continue to do this. Um, yeah,
0: I really love everything you're saying. Again, I mean, this is why I keep nodding. It's a podcast, people can't see me nod. But I think, you know, everything you say about, you know, celebrations, not just performative, it's also a feeling for me, I'm starting to think that celebration should be a political practice, right? Like, <laughs> I, like <that. laughs> <and> I, <laughs> I don't quite know what that looks like. But I think, you know, it's incumbent on us to kind of stop and pause and You know, just kind of look at what we've produced and think, okay, like let's actually be happy rather than kind of being on the academic production line and thinking, okay, this is out, what next? What next? What next? And just because that's, as you said, not sustainable, right? and one thing you captured in the article um, at the very beginning, which I thought was really powerful, was you were, and you said that in the beginning of our interview, too, like, you said that, right? Like, you were hosting a prominent scholar, you had just, you know, received a book contract, you've done all of these great things, and that, and, but you're left feeling bereft, right? Can yeah. you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what does this feeling mean? Like, when you list out your accomplishment, there's a lot, but it does, what you're saying is that it doesn't square with what with what you feel about yourself and how you're thinking about, you know, your accomplishment. Like what? What
1: does that look like? <laughs> yeah, I'm still processing that to be honest, right now. Um, I don't know. It's like you you set up all these expectations for um, you know what 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 productivity what, what productivity looks like or what success looks like, and then once you reach that point of productivity or success, um, those expectations are not met, right? You come in with this, this idea of what it what it will be like um, maybe a sense of re- release or relief um, but but it's it's for me at least it wasn't it wasn't that um, and I think I was just sort of let down a little bit like wow mm. you know I I, um, I, I I I don't know how I got to this point where I thought that you know this constant producing would, make me healthier or make me happier would make me something like, I don't know how I've, I've attached so much importance and and, and power mm. to this idea of success. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how I got there. Whereas, like I said, I keep returning to those quote unquote pure days, mm-hmm. right? When I wasn't thinking, I didn't know I was naive, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. But I, I, I didn't seek out purpose through the, through the work exclusively. Um, and, and I think that a lot of us, um, you know, that, that looks different for many, many of us, especially if, if the work that you do, um, you know, is, is, is vital to, to who you are. Right. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's me, right. Like, I don't know. Um, but, but it was, it was that it was like, you know, this, these are the things that you're taught. You're taught these things by your parents work hard, um, you know. Don't complain, you know, (laughs) be be, be the best. Um, You know, you have to catch up in my case, catch up with all the the other people in your field, Uh, stick out. Um, And then when you do that, when you're like, when you finally, when you finally learn how to do this work, because I think that it's, it's, I'm still learning how to do this work. (laughs) But when you finally feel like, Oh, I think I'm getting it. um, You you feel like maybe you've, um, you've attached too much meaning, and significance to it. And that's not to say that the work is not important. I just think that the work is not everything. Um, and I think it's important for us to have other sources of, 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 of satisfaction of purpose of whatever. Right. Um, because again, you're, you're, you're told, especially as, as people of color, as, uh, people don't mean to marginalized communities, you have to work harder than other people. You, know, yep. you have to do. And I think that's true. But again, I think we have to also be careful about that because then it creates this cycle of, well, how much more work,
0: You know, like,
1: like I know that I don't have to do this much work, but it's, I feel like I have to. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I I think everything you're saying is exactly what I've been feeling as well. And one of the things I'm trying to unlearn is, you know, this feeling of gratitude and this feeling that Mm -hmm. I need to kind of still prove that my space in the academy still belongs. And Mm -hmm. even as, in theory, the CV's good, right? I still feel like. In some ways an imposter, so I have to keep going on the treadmill. So that's one one thing, right? But the mm-hmm. other thing is, even as I'm feeling immense mental stress and immense dissatisfaction with certain academic spaces and certain academic norms, and I vent about it and I talk about this, you know, for gonna say sake, this is the theme of the podcast. Mm-hmm. A voice at the back of my head still tells me, why are you why are you so why are you so complain why why do you complain so much? like mm. look at what other immigrants have gone through Absolutely. you're not yeah. i mean oh, yeah. you're sitting you're 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 sitting on your desk you're writing articles you know yep. this is not hard work ethel so stop mm-hmm. stop complaining and so those two imperatives are so hard to square and so at the article in the article you also talk a little bit about that right you, like you talk about your parents and your brother and kind of having that as as the backdrop to thinking about kind of you know comparing your work to that and so how does that kind of how does that square into how you you relate to to your work then. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if yeah, I'm making any sense. No,
1: you make a c- complete sense, a lot of sense. Um, it's, it's really hard, right? Um, because you're completely right. You know, as immigrants, we think about the work that our parents do or that uh, immigrant communities are constantly doing, and we tend to compare that to the work that we do. And as yep. you're saying, yes, we sit here, we write, we read, which are, you know, privileged, you know, things that most people yep. don't have the leisure to do, but but that is the nature of our work, right? It is mm-hmm. also work. Um, it's what we do. Um, yeah, I always think about, um, you know, my brother who works like 12-hour shifts in Harlem, New York, my mom, who's been cleaning houses for a living since she arrived in this country and before this country, my mm-hmm. dad, who, who before he passed away worked every single job you could think of and, and, and really worked, turned it into like an art, you know, the way he yep. did it. It was all about the work ethic and and, yep. and it was like, it was more than, than the, what he did. It was this whole philosophy around it. And I think about me, like, well, you know, I can't complain. Well, why should I complain? Yep. I, I don't have the right to complain or go to them with my complaints. Mm-hmm. But that becomes a problem because then you're isolated. Then it's like, we all have a right, right to express how we feel about the things that we do. Yeah. Um, and when we compare ourselves, I think that, and I know this for a fact that um, up until before the moment, the article came out, I didn't share this with my family members. And it was oh. a, after it came out, they were like, like what's happening? Like, you know, <laughs> what's going on? Of cu- of course, we want to talk to you. Of course, we care oh. what you feel. And of course, what you, your emotions are valid. And it was like, and I still couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm like, I know, oh. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, but you know, I'm not trying to stress you out. It, those, those things, you know. Um, but I realized that uh, it's 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 not, it's unhealthy to to again compare ourselves to other communities uh, that we feel are in positions, you know, that that, that are not like ours, like our own. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. when it's... When it's when it can be damaging for how we think about ourselves and the work that we do. Uh, but, but to be honest, I still, t- I don't have an answer for that because as I say this right now, I'm still like, you know, that, that, that feeling of, um, that comparative m- mm-hmm. move that I make, I think is still with me. And I think it's just mm-hmm. a product of, of, like you said, uh, before being that one and one half generation, you know, being both sides as an immigrant myself, but, as someone that is in, in the academy like you know is is being um i don't know i i, I don't I, I don't want to i guess a big part of me doesn't want to lose touch with with that with that other side of me who, who, yeah. who wasn't an academic you know what i mean um but i want to keep in mind that you know i am an academic now right mm-hmm. and and this is who i am so how do i sustain this and you know, so yeah, I don't I have no answer for that.
0: <laughs> when you were talking and you said after your article came out, your your folks were like, What the heck is going on, dude? Like right. talk to me. Like, you know, this is not don't feel like you have to isolate yourself. You can talk to us. I think that was so beautiful hearing that because I think I think what that speaks to, for me at least, is, you know, and this is something that I've had to realize too in my own kind of journey is that my parents and even my grandparents didn't hustle so much for me to be so unhappy, right? So it's like, you know, so. So, like, I think it's not about kind of being a model minority for them. It's not about accruing all of these kind of markers of success. Although, let's face it, that is also important. But I think ultimately, even my parents and my family members have gotten to the point where they're also like, at the end of the day, we we actually just genuinely want you to be happy. So don't right. feel like you have to be alone. And that, I think, what you said is what in your family's reaction, that kind of st- stood out to me as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. That's so true. That is that is what they want, right? Like, you know, and and it's like, how do you know? How do I explain to them that um, that I you know that I, I am happy. Like I am happy, but I'm just there. I'm not always happy, right? That you mm-hmm. know that I, I'm still that I'm still figuring out. Well, how, what I'm feeling that I don't mm-hmm. I don't really know what I'm feeling. Um, and I think um, the, you know, the depression, and anxiety are not always clear like that. You know, it's not always this happy or, or sad. And sometimes it's like, yep. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I'm trying to figure it out. Um, uh, uh but, but yes, absolutely. I love that. The sense of the, what, what you're saying about, yeah, uh, our ancestors, you know, didn't hustle so that we could be miserable, you know, not, not at all. I always think about my dad in, in, in that regard. Um, so it's it's a good reminder of like you know how we we are we are our grandparents we are our parents you know even if we you know even if they're not reading and writing for a living mm-hmm. they they're, they still are us you know and we are them um,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. That's so powerful. I mean, this kind of interconnection too, right? Like, we are them, and I am my parents, and they see, you know, my actions. Oh, my goodness, I feel like this is immigrant therapy 101, but I feel like my actions... <laughs> Just reflect on them But that's also like But I'm also I also That's a lot of pressure too Right So you know mm-hmm. It's hard to kind of <laughs> Grapple with With all of these Conflicting expectations But you know Tio, Ayendi One thing that you said That I kind of Wanted to touch on Was this notion Of mental health And depression And what that looks like And why In academic spaces It's hard to kind of Recognize that You know Some of the academic Norms and structures Are corrosive To one's mental health And also toxic Productivity is corrosive To our mental health So that's one dynamic But the other dynamic Is is the fact is, you know, for immigrant racialized communities, we don't talk about mental health. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's not something that's discussed. So can you speak a little bit more about those points that you raise in your article so beautifully about, you know, immigrant communities and mental health and being an academic who's also racialized and mental health? And why do you think it's important for us to kind of talk about mental health, even if even as it's so hard?
1: (laughs) Yeah. um Yeah. Again, I think it's something that it's just something that um, at least in my case wasn't talked about or taught in, in in the in the in the home. Like, you know, how are you feeling psychologically? You know, how um, you know? Um, do you need to talk about something um, outside of school or outside of you know uh, something practical like you know eating? You know. Yep. Uh, being clothed and just these very simple practical things. i um, again for my. Gr- I think I, I think of my parents, who also had a comparative mode. They would compare themselves to the folks back in the Minicar Republic, you, you know, mm-hmm. and they would tell mm-hmm. us, "You you sh- you, got, you, ha- you should be grateful. Look how you yes. know people live um, there, and look how we live uh, this this place of relative privilege." Um, and so, like you know, that should you know hide your sadness if you're feeling yeah. sad. You know, if you're feeling bored, then you know they'd say like you're just a boring person. Right? <laughs> like, like, and I think boredom is often a sign, at least for me, of, of depression and anxiety. Um, but but yeah, it's it's it was I think especially I, I grew up in Brooklyn, East New York. So you know, as as an immigrant who grew up in in um, a predominantly uh, uh, black and brown community, um, you know, uh, you know the lessons that I was taught was like you know people who, who go to therapy who seek out therapy are often quote unquote mentally unstable or quote unquote damaged and mm-hmm. and 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 you know that's not something that um that you are right um mm-hmm. and so like it was always like sort of looked down upon to mm-hmm. to to seek out any kind of help for for mm-hmm. one any mm-hmm. kind of help i think that's you know not just you know um mental health uh, aid but just any kind of helping hand was yeah. looked down upon. Like mm-hmm. you do it. You, you know, as if that was how everyone made it in this country. Um mm-hmm. and so, you know, you know, fast forward me going off to grad school again, feeling this immense sense of gratitude, whatever that is, you know, um, it, it wasn't I, I felt like it wasn't I've internalized this idea that it wasn't my place to complain about anything mm-hmm. that I've that I've had, or even to to talk to um you know, folks that um, that come from where I come from, because that's the thing, too, that I didn't talk about this in the piece. But as, you know, when you become the one in your cohort, the one at your university, there's no one like you. Mm-hmm. No one really will get you. No, You know, mm-hmm. understand where you come from or how you deal with, you know, your emotions or your work. Um, most people understand you on a superficial level of like... Yeah you know, this is your work, this is your good person, you know, um, or, or not. Um, and, but they don't really get, uh, you know, how, um, well, how you grew up, you know, that's Mm -hmm. just as simple as that. Um, and so then, then you, you know, when you are in these spaces, you become even more insular, like you you more, you know, you, you kind of, you know, resolve to being, uh, more isolated, you know, for lack of a better word. Um. And and then at, at least in my case you you entirely lose track of like you know this uh, seeking help like can you like I've never for instance yep. I am now um, going to try therapy for the first time in my life and I just I never actually understand thank you and like I understand what therapy is I don't think about it like I did when I was 15 year old Kid in, in, in East New York, like I, I under, now, I get it, yeah. and I've understood it for a long time, but I've never sought sought help. Um, so you know, it, it just it took it takes. I think you know, understandably, it just takes longer for us when you know when we don't have the community, when we don't have, um, in in some cases, the available resources, and when we are, like you said, the, the like unlearning a lot of the yeah. the stereotypes about mental health that were cemented as truth you know for for mm-hmm. many of us um and yeah, and yeah so that's that's basically where i'm at
0: i think it's so brave and it's so bold tio that you're going to therapy i think i also understand that, you know, in some ways because we don't have the vocabulary to talk about therapy at least when we grew up. I mean, I think it's important for us to acknowledge especially to our listeners that, you know, issues of mental health are important and if you have access to therapy and you feel that you need it, that doesn't make you weak, right? <laughs> like let's right, unlearn that, right. right? Um and so I really appreciate you kind of sharing that and, you know, as someone who's a big fan of therapy now, like <laughs> it's 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 important, I think, to have to have people who can kind of support you in your mental health journey. That's all I'll say Mm -hmm. about that. Um, But I do have one final question to you. And that's advice to our listeners, especially those who are first gen, racialized immigrants who, as you are talking, are probably like, yeah, man, like I'm also the only one in my program, the only one in my cohort. Um, What advice can you give to them about well, I don't know. I mean, the way I phrase it to you over email is about unlearning the hustle. Um, but mm-hmm. maybe that's not the right way because <laughs> I mean, we do we still do need to hustle, right? Especially in yeah. grad school. But how can we how can we hustle? How can we hustle more more well more caringly, right? Like how can we hustle such that it doesn't kind of corrode our mental health and our our well being? What advice yeah. would you give to them?
1: You know. And again, I'm still figuring this out myself, but I think one of the biggest things is community. I underestimated mm. the power the power of community in grad school. Again, I just thought, you know, no one here is going to connect with me. I'm just, I'll do this myself. It's just that that kind of philosophy. I, I took that uh, with me and I took community for granted. Uh, surround yourself with people that are caring, that are supportive, um, not, not that are not just hustling and getting things done. Because I think that's good. You need that. Um, to get ahead in life, sure, because this is the world that we live in, you know, um, but you also need to look out for yourself. So, uh, Mm -hmm. and I think that if you surround yourself with people that perhaps have similar experiences or who um, are good listeners um, or, you know, just, just people that you think are good for you, that's helpful. Um, I think another thing is to learn how to know when to ask for help, I think. Mm, and, mm-hmm. and and to to not let you know previous conceptions of who you were, of of yourself, um inform like how you seek help now in the now. Mm-hmm. Right? Because because you know we're always changing, especially when we, you know, put ourselves through you know, this process of becoming, you know, experts in the field through grad school and through the professoriate and so on and so forth, You're, we're always changing um, psychologically, mentally, physically. We're, we're just always changing. And, and I think at different points in our lives, help looks different, you know, for different mm-hmm. people, but understanding when to, to, to seek help. Um, and then th- this last one is really trying to be present with your work, like, and yes. in, in, in how you do the work too slowing down with it um, literally enjoying like the space around you like maybe even like things like going to a coffee shop that you haven't gone to, moving around walking, just being present with the work that you do and and and, and not taking things for granted like like um, like writing like oh I wrote today I edited today I didn't write today you know just mm-hmm. just trying to distinct not, not, not differentiating how you celebrate things um, as success or, 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 or failure, but just like that you're doing it. That is, Mm -hmm. that is, um, I think for me, at least that is how I'm, that's how I'm trying to define, you know, that's how I'm trying to practice celebration. It's just that I'm, I'm doing the work and, and some, and and hopefully, I don't know, I want to get to this place where, um, um, you know, celebrating is, is more, again, like a feeling that I have instead of just some, Mm -hmm. some, practice and performance that i do because that can be empty sometimes and you just when you look like you're celebrating something but you don't feel it um Mm -hmm. and again i don't i don't i don't know what what, how i'm going to get there but um i think to be being present with the work um and and sometimes even like you know just to be you know i guess practical like celebrate the things that you do like even if you don't Mm -hmm. think that they're big you know our our sense of um, what is significant, right? It's going to keep changing as we keep progressing in this career, right? Like maybe a conf- going to a conference was a big thing for me at one point. Would just, that was a big deal. It still is now, but I would celebrate it like, wow. You know, and then you for- and, and now you, you kind of like have a, a different sense of like, what is worth celebrating? I say, I, I am trying to celebrate all the little things that I'm doing now, just to again, be present with it and slow down what I'm, um and slow down this, I guess, I don't know, what I'm feeling in a way.
0: I love this. I love this so much to you. Ayan-Yi. I think one thing I'm kind of thinking about as you're talking is, you know, we need to make the process of celebration and slowing down, um, deliberate, I think sometimes we get so caught Mm -hmm. up in the hustle that we lose sight of our intentionality, right? And I think, you know, celebration as a feeling, for me, I'm starting to think celebration should be a political practice, especially for, you know, for those of us who are racialized, right, immigrant folks who, you know, already feel that, you know, we need to keep hustling. I think slowing down and thinking, okay, you know, let's celebrate um, passing our comps. Let's celebrate, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) let's celebrate finishing the first year of PhD studies. It might seem corny, but I think marking these milestones Absolutely. and recognizing that, hey, you've done it. I think that's kind of one of the ways to ensure our longevity. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, you know, especially for graduate students, um, I think that instilling in that the, the, the practice of cel- celebration is going to be very important uh, as, as you move forward. Because, again, what you celebrate, what success looks like, is going to keep evolving um, and I think you just, in my case, you don't want to get to a place where you just don't recognize it. You don't recognize the thing worth mm-hmm. celebrating, right? So, so I guess, to, not to, to sound cliche, but don't take things, again, for, for granted. Um, but also understanding that, you know, this, this, this profession is difficult. It is hard. And, and that is why we need help, Right. Um, you know, and, and, and sitting with that, like, just like anything in life, you know, you're going to have your, um, you know, your highs and lows. Uh, and, and, and I think that there's a way that this professoriate is sort of like sold to us, especially those of us who don't come from families of professors, that it's like this. I don't know every tower sort of like existence of you yep. know and it, 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 it's not it's, it's not like that it's not always like that it's never like that <laughs> especially the way that mm-hmm. the market is now um, so so like understanding how do, how do you fit into this yeah. um, I think it's, it's great but but yes I I, I love that idea of celebrations as a political act I think us being our mere existence is a political act in the Academy yep. so so let's 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 continue that right um, let's continue being
0: (laughs) I love that I love that let's continue being let's keep celebrating our existence is a political act Uh, thank you so much to you Ayendi this has been fantastic and I think our listeners uh, will get so much out of this rich conversation
1: oh it is my my pleasure titi Ethel. really it is
0: My conversation with TU Allende really reinforces just how important it is to find community, to slow down and be more intentional about our work, and to appreciate both small and big moments. We need to cultivate an authentic practice of celebrating our presence in the academy. And we shouldn't feel ashamed about reaching out to people, be it our family, our friends, or our therapist, if we need help figuring out how we're feeling. I also really appreciated how Tio Ayan talked about how he's still trying to figure all of this out. We don't have to have all the answers, and it's okay to recognize that it can be hard to find community. It's hard to unlearn these academic norms and instead to prioritize our needs and care for ourselves physically and mentally. That's why this podcast exists. So it's comforting to know that I'm not the only one that has to remind themselves of these lessons every day. And that's Academic aunties. For our new listeners, remember to rate and review us. We appreciate all the feedback we get and believe it or not, a great review can really help spread the word. Get in touch with us on Twitter at @academicanties or visit us online at academicanties.com. Today's episode of Academic Anties was hosted by me, Dr. Ethel Tongohan, and produced by myself, Wayne Shu, and Dr. Nisha Nath. Tune in next time when we talk to more Academic Anties. Until then, take care, be kind to yourself, and don't be an asshole.